Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. Welcome back to Employee to Lawyer. I am Max Barrick. And I'm Amit Bindra. And we know each other's names still, so we're still getting the names right. That's progress. Today, we're bringing back one of our really entertaining guests from our first round of interviews. We're bringing back Jim Zuris again, the co-founder of Stefan's. We'd encourage everybody to go back and listen to that first episode, A, just to learn about biometric privacy data and all that Jim's firm and others have done to protect protect folks' data, but also to hear his full bio. Just to give you the short version, Jim and his cases have been profiled by numerous media outlets, including the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun-Times, WVON, Billboard Magazine, and TMZ. All right, that one I didn't know. Jim was also interviewed by CBS Consumer Watch and is frequently invited as a speaker at national class action litigation and trial seminars. And also a few months back at our little bar's monthly brown bag meetings, Neela, Illinois, where he gave a real, I think, informative engaging discussion of BIPA again. So Jim, welcome. Thank you. So glad to be back on with you all. Always a pleasure. So last time we had you on to talk about your biometric privacy, your BIPA and employee privacy work, we thought we would step back from specific laws and cases you've litigated and talk a little bit more just about your career generally. That'll dovetail nicely with folks who were binging this maybe months down the line and have heard these episodes back to back. You were talking about the end of your law school career and how you'd done very well and how typically law schools will funnel folks with your academic credentials into the big law arena, right? Yeah. So that's, I think, how we left off last last time. I sort of segued into an area. But yeah, you know, you you have a chance to reflect and look back. And so typically the law school experience, you do well. You're supposed to go to a big firm where they drain your soul. They enable you to never look in the mirror and like what you see ever again. I'm exactly. I, I, I have lots of friends on that side and God bless them. And some of them are great people and great lawyers and so forth. It, it just wasn't for me. And I really was alarmed and disturbed that, you know, if you do well, it's almost like you, your options are, are, are more constrained than, than they are if you didn't do as well in law school. It was almost that attitude because I would tell, you know, people at DePaul in, in the career services department, I would like to represent human beings. I would like to learn how to be a trial lawyer. I'd like to represent plaintiffs. I'd like to, you know, vindicate the rights of people and and go, you know, go after corporate America for their evil doings and so. And they would look at me like, but that's not a way. You got you got a bunch of A's here. You've done really well in school. You're not you're not supposed to be one of those, whatever that is. And and you know, I wasn't really helped by by the school. Perhaps things have changed. I don't know. But at the time, that's how it was. You were, you were placed down this path. So I had to sort of figure it out for myself. And I did. I ended up, you know, getting a judicial clerkship. And that was a good kind of, you know, for me to see who was out there, who was doing what, what I might like to do. It gave me a chance to meet people, to get to know people and so forth. So I ended up ultimately working for a plaintiff's personal injury firm. And, you know, I had a lot of early responsibility, went to court early, tried law division trials, you know, early, you know, including medical malpractice cases, wrongful death cases, serious personal injury stuff. 
In other words, it, it forced me to figure out what I was doing and how to do it and, and to study what it is to be a trial lawyer pretty quickly and to figure out the ins and outs of all that. And so I did that for a number of years and it was great. And I you know, developed a lot of skills. I figured out I could do this stuff. It was a real confidence builder. And at the same time, a lot of my pals who were making exponentially more money than me in the big firms, albeit more money, but you know, not really ever taking a deposition or you know, really even going to court on a you know, contested motion hearing. You know, thought no way were they near trial. I mean, that wasn't even you know a possibility. And I here I was leading twelve you know fourteen cases to verdicts, pretty serious ones you know at the time too. So uh, anyway, there was a lot of that, including a, a interesting case very early on in my career. Not sure exactly how this came about, but there's a rap group called the Wu Tang Clan, and I know you all have investigated me. And and if you type in my name to this day you know, 25 years later, whatever it is, 23 years later, it still pops up. If I, I Googled you and it popped up and I was I very excited to hear about this. Well, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to disappoint anybody. You know, it may, it, it, here's, here's what it is. I mean, you can do a lot of great things in your career that are very important, very difficult, very hard. No one notices ever. And then, you know, a defendant happens to be some, someone or something people have heard of. And now it's really exciting. So I, our client, I had a client, I was a very young lawyer. I think I was two or three years out of school. He, he worked for the record company of this rap group called the Wu-Tang Clan. He, he was out there promoting the group. The group didn't know who he was. He was on the radio. He was touting an after-party show that they were going to go to after their concert here at what was called then the World Music Theater in Tinley Park. And the, the, the group apparently didn't like what he was saying or how he was saying it, whatever it was, didn't fully connect the dots that this was somebody working for their own record company trying to help them. He shows up backstage, they figure out who uh, uh, he is and bad things happen. There's some unpleasantness, if you will. So we file suit for our guy against various members of the group here in Illinois. You know, it took me a long time to figure out what their real names were. I mean, you know, the internet was in its infancy at the time and I, I'd never heard of these people and whatever, but bottom line is suddenly I have Vibe magazine calling me. I have MTV. I have Billboard magazine. I all those pub, weird publications you listed earlier, Max. That's. I mean, I'm not being. <laughs> they're not. They're not talking to me now. Come on, Jim. You're a rock star. You're a rap star of the of the legal world. Why would they not interview you? It, 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 <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I, they, they should. They should. But but the bottom line is, you know, that's. I, so I had about 10 days of, of, of fame because of this. And they wanted to know more about the case and what it was all about and what was going to happen. And it, it even segued into things like, oh, well, hey, could you comment about this other case that's going on in the world that's going to get a lot of attention? You know, what do you think about Johnny Cochran's case against the blah, 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 or whatever? It, you know, it was really something for a 27-year-old lawyer who barely knew what he was doing you know, but, but, it, but it also gave me some insight into a few things, including that, you know, I, I had a lot of responsibility, apparently, you know, at this, at this firm I was at and, you know, I, I'm getting attention and you, you never know where that attention comes from and whatever. I, I, I tried to see it as a, a, a positive experience and a learning experience because periodically, you know, I'll be asked questions by the media, you know, on various matters, although never, never really to that degree ever since. Did you ever uh, get to depose some a member of the Wu Tang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. incredible. Of that the, should be the of opening the, of the clan. 
So Rizza, R-Z-A, I'm probably mispronouncing it, is the leader. So that, again, I- yeah, That I, should be the opening line of your I, bio. I, <laughs> I, 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 it, it's funny because at, at the time, I didn't know who these folks were. And I liked rap, by the way, I liked hip hop, but part of it was because I was in a cave during law school for all these years. Like, like any movie that came out in like 94, 93, I know nothing about, I know nothing about music from that era. Like I, I was just totally like, you know, it's, it's like a blank in my cultural like knowledge. So I know all about these guys now and they've all gone on to have solo careers and a lot of them are great performers. And by the way, it ain't personal. I, just to be clear, <laughs> it never was. I don't know if you followed the the jury trial for the farmer bro, but one of the jurors was upset with him because he disrespected the Wu Tang Clan, and I, that's part of the record. I I I again, I I like some of their music. I have some of their music. I they've gone on to great success since this time and big fame and fortune and whatever. But you know, it, it's just it, it's interesting how you know this this this. This comes up a lot. This comes up more than you might expect in, in my life, again, because simple Google search, and there it is. Um, I don't know. No, that's if, awesome. I, yeah. I, I do want to circle back on something you said earlier, which I think is really awesome that young attorneys don't kind of realize sometimes. You know, one thing you did with a judicial clerkship, which I think is incredible experience for an attorney early in their career. And two, you basically were thrown into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. You're given a bunch of cases. You have to go to law division. You have to figure it out. And so in the short term at, you know, age 26, 27, it seems unpleasant, but now in your career, I think that was probably incredibly instrumental to getting you to basically being the godfather of BIPA law and having your own national firm. Um, it, it, I, I have to give credit to those early experiences. There's no question that, you know, you're in the Atlantic, you sink or swim. And, and if you manage to swim even a little bit or tread water or make some difference, then yeah, that's going to give you the confidence and a base to go to a next step. And, you know, long story short, I mean, my current, the law firm is called Stefan Zuris. That's not because my first name is Stefan or my uncle's name is Stefan or whatever. Uh, Ryan Stefan is my, my, the co-founder of Stefan Zuris. We ended up working at that small firm. He came along after me and he really was very interested in starting class action practice at that firm. And a hot area, this is 2000, 2001, was in the wage and hour field. It was just beginning to take off. FLSA cases for unpaid overtime and, and what have you. And not only was it becoming hot, there weren't a whole lot of people in Chicago doing it, at least not on any significant level. So we, and I, I was a little skeptical at the beginning because I, you know, for me, it was, well, personal injury, it's tried and true. It's been around a hundred years, whatever. Although I'd also figured out that unless you're Bob Clifford, Bill Corboy, Joe Power, you know, you're not going to get the, you know, $50 billion, you know, airline crash case, or yeah, you're, you're scrambling for the crumbs. I mean, you're, it, there's a lot of competition and the law is a business at the end of the day. And, you know, it's hard to compete with, you know, those powerhouses. But anyway, Ryan comes along and says, hey, well, what about this stuff? And I was skeptical. Long story short, you know, it started working. Not only was it working, and not only were we getting these folks justice, and not only were these people clearly being deprived of big wages and nobody was advocating for them, and we, we figured out a way to do it, 
but we could do it for 10, 20, 100, 1,000 people in some cases. And we became sort of known, even though we were at this personal injury firm, that we were developing this side practice of, of you know, class action litigation. And it, it began to become almost you know, bigger than the, the, the standard personal injury practice that that firm you know, was, was doing at the time. And so again, long story short, sometimes you know, it, it's hard to move the Titanic. Sometimes it's, it's hard when you, know, you have a firm that's been around a while and you have guys that, you know, that they've always done it this way. They really don't see the change. They don't see the evolution. They don't see the new opportunities, whatever it is to get them to adapt, to do these other things. Long story short, it became unpleasant for me and Ryan. We, we left the firm in 2007. We really didn't have much choice as it was. And it forced us to do something I didn't think I would ever do. And that's found my own law firm. It wasn't really a plan. I'd love to say I had mapped this all out and it was my you know, greatest wish. I had all these you know, schemes. Not really. It was, this is it. I really don't have much choice. It's either do this now or not. And by then we, you know, we had developed a certain reputation and a certain level of confidence, a certain level of skill. You know, we we kind of knew we could probably do it. Although if you had told me how hard it was going to be at the time to get it off the ground and how deep into debt at the beginning you go into and you know, just to survive and whatever, I, I probably would have said, you know what, we'll just, yeah, we'll pass on that. But again, fortunately, things happen for a reason. It's turned out great. And here we are. Come along. I was going to say, for, for saying all that about going into debt, and maybe I wouldn't have done it this way and all that, for somebody who was an unlikely or perhaps not necessarily totally willing person to be in that situation, I would say it's 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 gone about as well as you get, at least at the outside. It, it certainly looks like it's gone about as well as you could have ever dreamed of. You know, um, I don't know if this is true, but somebody once said that either, you know, in the Mandarin language or some other language that crisis and opportunity mean the same thing. I, that may be an urban legend, a myth. It, it turned out that this bad situation ended up being one of the greatest moments of my life you know, birthing this new firm, didn't know it at the time, probably didn't know it two years in either, but today I know it and it made us stronger. It made us more committed. You know, it made us work even harder. It made us more, you know, dedicated to each other and what we're doing and sort of the, the, the righteousness of what we're doing. So out of, you know, the, the, the madness and, and that's a whole other story, by the way, the details of which are, you know, for another day, I suppose, but out of this just the ashes of this, you know, the, the phoenix arose, you know, not to get crazy here, but, you know, we, we've, we've come a long way. Here we are. We just celebrated our 14-year anniversary on May 21. And so that's, you know, we're, we've done something right, I guess. That's awesome. And to circle back to a topic I really enjoy, which is criticizing law school, they don't teach you... <laughs> They don't teach you how to run a business. You know, they're not teaching you, hey, this is how you actually, really being a lawyer is running a business and providing a legal service of the product. I, I had no, I, once again, just like I didn't know any lawyers, I, I didn't have anybody in my family that ran a small business or any business or anything else. And, and so, yeah, like that's, that was hard. And that required a lot of other skills that, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have really. So I, it was a lot to figure out. You know, I don't want to whine about it, but but yeah, 
they, they don't even really tell you in school that the law is a business. Like exactly. they, they, don't, they don't tell you like just fundamental principles on, you know, by the way, it's, it's a special business. Yeah. But you got to worry about paying people and you got to worry about making profits. You got to worry about marketing. You, you need clients. You need customers. I, and, and yeah, and you need to figure out a way to make revenue, especially as a plaintiff's lawyer, where doing employment going up. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, perhaps some weaknesses in, in the law school education that should probably have some changes someday. I would hope. Oh, yeah, this is awesome too, because it ducktails well with our last conversation. You've gone from you know you and Ryan starting this firm to now having a team of talented attorneys. You have two young attorneys who just run a huge jury verdict for a great client. Uh, so that's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, we, we've been blessed with success. You know, I, all I can say, if anybody's looking for advice, I mean, reinvest in yourself and never rest on your laurels. No matter what big or small success you have, don't stop. Don't look back. Don't pause. You, you got to keep going or you're going to die. And I, I all too often what I've seen, the reason smaller firms fail is they'll have some measure of success and then go on vacation for two months, and figuratively and literally. And, and, you know, that's great for that two month period. But, you know, if you want to keep it going, you're all, you always have to be moving. You always have to be looking for, you know, opportunities, you know, in your wheelhouse. And, and you know, BIPA, it really isn't that different from the employee-centric cases we've always had. These are people who are hurt at the workplace, that are deprived of rights at the workplace in a common way by a common, you know, usually multi-billion dollar entity. And we don't generally represent executives. These are blue-collar, hardworking, hourly paid, you know, Americans, sort of the backbone of America. And so same group, same folks that are deprived of overtime probably have their biometric rights violated too. I mean, well, and you talked about like, you know, class action and the ability and how many people you've helped. I, I make a lot of pop culture references and I mix a lot of metaphors and use a lot of malapropisms. It's just something I do. You talk in as much as I do, I guess, whatever. But, but one, of the, one of the pop culture references I like to mention to people when we're talking about, well, we can help you or we can help more than one person um, if they know the reference is Aaron Brockovich. So to take you back to a movie that's about 20 years old, I was in seventh grade or sixth grade when it came out, I think. But that's a good example, right? You've got a chemical company that's poisoning essentially an entire town. You could bring a personal injury action for one of those folks. It's hard to prove, you know, injury all the time and proximate cause and all of that. But you've got a town full of sick people and one common denominator, which is one company dumping sludge into the water supply kind of thing. Like, you know, it, it, it's impact litigation, right? That's how you help more people. And that's how you affect policy change. We talked about the McDonald's case on your last, on your last episode, your last recording, but this is how you affect change other than getting laws passed, right? Is you make it hurt somebody's bottom line on a wide scale. It, the power of strength in numbers. It, it's something that, you know, we kind of, you know, we teach our children of this sort of thing. You know, when you're fighting a bully, whatever it is. And that, that's, that's all you're doing here. You know, you're pushing back on a bully. And that was one of the things that truly did appeal to me when the time came 20 years ago, where personal injury, you know, it, it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's, it's really gratifying to help that one person who is seriously injured, can't work again, you know, whatever it is, no question. But it's also really rewarding and is going to prompt more change when you can do it on a widespread basis. And 
you're never really going to level the playing field because it's always tilted against us and in favor of corporate America. But you get a little bit closer by doing it this way, by doing it, you know, in a mass proceeding. Jim, if people want to learn more about your practice, about biometric privacy, class action litigation, your story, your crusade against the Wu-Tang Clan and the rap industry. Ah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But if they want to learn more about you, how can they find you? Well, they can, they can contact our website, which is stephenjuris.com. There's a way to email us on the website. Those emails go right to me. They also go to Ryan. But if you're talking about the Wu-Tang Clan or whatever it is, or the show, I'll know it's for me. And I am happy to respond. And, you know, I, I love talking to people who are, you know, just starting off in the world and just want advice, be it young lawyers. Or, or people thinking about law school or just people unfamiliar with their rights. I, I really make it a point to, to talk to everybody who comes to me, you know, with, with a need for help like that. I feel I need to give back. This is a small way I can do it. So if anybody's out there, you know, in that situation, hey, I'm thinking about starting my own firm. I don't like where I'm at. I've got issues. I've been there times a million. Whatever story you have, mine is worse. Whatever obstacle you think you need to overcome, I've had to overcome it. And it's on fire when I had to overcome it. Not touting my own horn. I'm just saying that, you know, you're not alone. And I can, I probably have some words of wisdom for you. So happy to get into it. I'll vouch for that. You, you did that. You've done that and did that for me many times over. So I will, I will corroborate that Jim does that for people. Jim, thank you for all you've done, all you do to fight for people, for, for all your hard work and for coming on to share a few minutes with us today. It, it truly is my honor and my pleasure. I really thank you guys for this, this wonderful opportunity. I mean, it's, it's really gratifying to be here. Thanks again. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.